Welcome back to another episode of CT Real Estate Radio. I am Chaz Cook, joined by Rob Wallace of The One Team at William Ravis Real Estate. And of course, here with us today is the mortgage guru, Brian Skelly from William Ravis Mortgage. Gentlemen, how are you doing? And did you just survive the snow? Feeling excellent. And basement did get flooded, but we survived. You got a little flooding. Now, was yeah. that from the rain post-snow? Yes. That seems to be the trend yes. right now. Skelly, how about you? Because you're on the shoreline. Oh, yeah. We survived the snow. Uh, I didn't even have to shovel. It was perfect. Like, the yard was covered, but the driveway was clear. My kids were in the backyard for hours just playing, making snowballs. It was great. Just oh, the right nice. amount of snow. Just the right amount, and then it was gone the next day. Any flooding in Brantford? Uh, not at my house. I'm lucky at my house. My previous owner put good drainage in. I got the downspouts that go right into the, uh, um, like the tubes that take the water away from mm -hmm. the foundation. So nice. I have owned some houses that have flooded. That's the key. Got to get the water away from the foundation. Mm -hmm. And luckily, my none in my house. But I went for a drive. There was water everywhere. Oh yeah, definitely. In uh, my little town in Niantic, there was definitely some roads that were flooded. And I saw some reports of it in Norwich, actually down in Norwich town. Uh, the the local dominoes there. Yeah. Uh, the the flooding head from from the Antic River was all the way up above the windows. So I was there this morning. Oh so I work at my gym is right across, and the gym, the whole entire parking lot was flooded. So I couldn't go for a couple of days. I went this morning. It looked pretty good, but uh, yeah, they had a, the dominoes is right across, yeah. and the the river I guess came up 15 feet to the bottom of the bridge, wow. and dominoes is below that below that so 15 feet from the yantic river yeah. which isn't even one of like the more significant rivers here in connecticut and uh you know i was just talking to uh ben downstairs from our isa department he's our inside sales guy and he lives out in meriden on top of a hill 150 foot hill and his basement got flooded oh wow because at the bottom of his hill where the sewer is that's also where the quinnipiac quinnipiac river is so when the river flooded it backed up the sewer and then literally pushed everything uphill. Oh no! That's so you know the how they always say it runs. You yeah. know, it doesn't go uphill. Well, in this case, it actually did run uphill. So one thing they said to check was uh, your sewers. Get out there and shovel off all the snow. Yeah, and I mean, it looks like we're just getting started here too. I got another big hit or quick hitter, I should say, of some more rain and heavy winds coming in mm -hmm. this weekend, possibly tonight uh, here on this Saturday, and then next week it looks like we've got another series of storms. But obviously, they can change directions pretty quickly. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that, but hope all you 94 Niners out there made okay, made out okay and got to enjoy a little bit of the snow before it washed away. And we saw temperatures in the, in the fifties yes. in January. I love that it. I was not complaining about. I love it. <laughs> the guy who runs outside year round 52 in January, I'll take it anytime. Mm -hmm. But we've got a lot of real estate news to get in here. And I, you know, this, I got this article, I saw it and I was like, man, I can't believe I'm going to have the opportunity to bring this up again. We this started is, with it in October. This is a good October, find, Chad. Right? Good find. We had it in October. Uh, then we had it for the holidays. And now we are back talking about the historic Mark Twain property in Reading, though. Uh, that is a caveat. The first two we talked about were his home in Hartford. But his property in Reading finally sold for $2.2 million after years on the market. Wow. So after multiple years, this is a CT Insider article. So it says, after multiple years on the market, the historic Mark Twain property in Reading, where the author and humorist lived in a Tuscan-style villa called, that he called the most out-of-the-world and peaceful and tranquil and in every way satisfactory home I have had experience of in my life. Sold last month for just over two point two. No, Mark Twain writing the property descriptions, right? <laughs> I wonder, original realtor. Yeah, though. I wonder if AI can do that. If you were like typing in, hey, hey, write me a property description uh, in, in the, the tone and the style Twain. of Mark Twain, right? 
That's great. I wonder how that would come out. That'd be pretty interesting. We'll have to play around with that and bring mm-hmm. you guys some feedback. Um, we get other famous authors too. I mean, I guess a little Walt Whitman in there. A little Walt Whitman. Oh, yes. Actually, you know, it would be a good Alan one. Poe, is J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you guys, it's a little tangent. I don't know if you guys ever read the uh, Lord of the Rings books. Oh, yeah. No. Movies, um, but. I'm, I'm reading the books. I've got about 200 pages to go in the final book. But what amazed me was the, the book series was his life. He started writing it. He went away to war. He came back. He rewrote some things. And as he was going through, he might start writing something and then realize it didn't fit with something in the story. So then he would stop and he would go back to that part of the story. It took him almost three decades to finalize that wow. book. Yeah, well, he was and it was the Lord of the Rings is about the powers of good and evil. And he was involved in World War. I don't know if it was World War One or World War Two. It was World but, War Two. But I think that, that, that shaped it a lot. But I think the getting back to real estate, yeah. I didn't know we were going to geek out. About <laughs> Lord of the Rings right here. Um, like I, we, I could do the whole hour on Lord of the Rings yeah. if you want. Uh, but I think the very first line of the book maybe this is the hobbit but it he's describing the hobbit hole isn't it like he lived in a hobbit hole that, that's, that's that, like that the, is the hobbit yeah, that's, that's the that's hobbit the yeah, yeah, yeah. That, the pre the prequel but even but that's, a, that's, Tolkien, a, he had that's estate, a real estate right? description the hobbit hole there yeah, you go yeah. oh, wow. and uh i found out just a, one more quick tidbit that, like um a lot of publishers tried to make it grammatically correct uh-huh. you know based off of what they interpreted from the the english language or the dictionary yeah and he fought them and wouldn't let them publish the book because he's like no this is how they would speak it in their language yeah like, he actually took the time to develop he wrote the whole elvish language right. and everything oh it's yeah really incredible. there's like a separate book that outlines just all of the, yeah. the history and the languages and so that's yeah, that's we, cool. one of these days, uh, a not real estate radio will do a deep dive <laughs> podcast on the Lord of the Rings. Turn into our new, our new upcoming podcast. Right. But anyways, back to Mark Twain <laughs> and his Reading home. Uh, just to kind of recap, according to Reading Town Records, prior owners Jason and Eric DeSantis sold a replica of Twain's Stormfield home on Mark Twain Lane to a New York City resident. With the transaction recorded in mid-December, the final purchase price was roughly in line with the most recent appraised property value by the town. So very cool. Kind of, I didn't know that they had a replica place. Uh, I think that's a very interesting to me. Um, shocked that even in this competitive market that we've seen for the last, call it almost three and a half years now, that it still took years to yeah, sell this house. I mean, I it's agree. a gorgeous property. If you want to go on and just really kind of Google is. it, it really um, is. You know, expansive landscaping, absolutely gorgeous. That's He's the... got a pool house. Ooh. It's a thirty-acre property with sixty-one hundred square feet. Uh, and it was they bought it. Uh, DeSantis bought it in 2003 for 3.45 million, including a standalone garage with an upper level apartment constructed in 1980. They listed it publicly for sale in the summer of 2021 for 4.2. All right. Yeah, so look at the photo. It's got a really like European feel to yeah, it. Yeah, that's you the know. Tuscan style. As Tuscan they style. Yeah. They've been chipping away at the price month after month. They have been, yeah. So the existing house replaced the original Tuscan-style villa that Twain had commissioned, but was destroyed in a July 1923 fire more than 13 years after Twain's death. I'm sure he's... So, okay, so can't you blame it on the cigars now? 50 cigars a day, yeah. and it burns down 13 years after. Maybe it all keeps all coming back to Mark Twain in Connecticut. It was the residual was cigar smoke The most famous there. Connecticut person yeah. we have is Mark Twain, apparently. Absolutely. You know, I mean, he raised his family there, so it's it's just an absolutely stunning property. I would have liked to have seen the original. Maybe we can do some homework on, on that. Field trip. Field trip to the Mark there Twain house in Reading. Let's like that idea. do it. But yeah, if you guys would like to check out this article, you can head over to the CT Insider, and it's just Mark Twain Reading House, and we will also tag it up in our podcast and on our social media here on CT Real Estate Radio. But now we've got to get into some real data, some facts and information. We're going to be talking about how mortgage demand has jumped. We're also going to be mentioning the best 
cities to buy for first-time home buyers when we come back on CT Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Welcome back to CT Real Estate Radio. Chaz Cook and Rob Wallace of the one team at William Ravis Real Estate. The number one team in the state of Connecticut since 2020 for families helped buying and selling and investing in real estate. So three years, no other team in the state of Connecticut has had more transactions than the one team. And we couldn't do that, of course, without all you 94 Niners out there. And of uh, of course, our support, uh, our sponsor support uh, from Service Station Equipment, Martin McKinney and the boys and girls over there. We do appreciate all of their help with this show every week. And if you have any residential tanking needs, I mean, I've been in a few houses lately in this time of year when those tanks and those furnaces are working hard, you can tell that some of them need, uh, they need to get replaced. And so that's when you need to reach out to Dougie Brown, the tank man, 1-800-801-TANK. He will come over there. He'll check out your tank. He'll pull the permits. He'll get it removed, clean everything up, put the new tank in, in a day or less. Might cost you a couple slices of pizza. You never know what kind of mood he's going to be in, but they are your residential tanking specialists. And again, you can reach out to them at 1-800-801-TANK. But Skelly, you mentioned during the break how the last couple of weeks you have been running 100 miles an hour, and we've got some data to support that because mortgage demand jumps nearly 10% to start the year, even as interest rates, uh, they say they've ticked up, but would we really go from like 666 to 672-ish? Yeah, we'll yeah. take a look at that. It's uh, That may be a contributing factor. We've had a lot of stability in mortgage rates. Haven't changed much in the last four weeks, uh, which I think is what buyers needed. Uh, you know, they came down off the high in October. You know, they were right around 8% in October. Uh, here's a couple stats for you. Uh, December 12th, Mortgage News Daily average rate was 6.85. December 12th, December 25th, a uh, couple weeks later, 6.65. January 8th, 6.76. Uh, Friday, uh, yesterday, January 12th, 6.72. So for basically four weeks, it's been between 6.6 and 6.9, mm -hmm. uh, which is great. You know, that's the buyers need a little bit more stability when it's going up one and a half percent, coming down one and a half percent. Everybody's head spinning is like, what's going on? Um, so I've been very busy. I would, I've done more applications in the first 12 days of uh, January than I did in the whole month of October. So it's wow. been busy. Um, I had an assistant who, who quit back in August and it was kind of quiet. I didn't even hire a new assistant. I was like, I don't really need one right now. Uh, but I just started interviewing again this week for a new assistant. I might actually have one uh, starting on Monday. We'll see. I'm working on finalizing that, but uh, been too busy to even finalize that. So yeah, <laughs> the mortgage market's in full swing and it might be early spring. We'll that's see. Full swing. That's right. Applications for a mortgage to purchase a home rose 6% for the week, but we're, they were still 16% lower than the, the same week one year ago. That makes sense. We were right around six at the beginning of 2023. So not surprising. There. Yeah. Under seven is huge. I mean, it was over seven for a significant portion of July of yeah i mean pretty much from like july to december i yep. think something like that it was over seven so i mean as long as they stay under seven uh, i think that's going to be looked at very favorably i mean when rates first went over six everybody thought oh six and a half seemed like a high rate now after being over seven for six months six you know 6.7 looks pretty good right now i think to a lot of people well and you can tell that people have gotten more comfortable with that because applications to refinance a home also jumped 19 percent from the previous week and were 30 percent higher than the same week one year ago so yeah anyone, i've had a few refinances yeah. too a lot of times not so much people trying to lower the rate that's not happening very much but people that need cash Mm -hmm. So people need cash to buy another property. People need cash to renovate their house. Maybe they got a bunch of credit card debt they want to get rid of, you know, and so 
with rates coming down off the high in October, some people are saying, okay, this is a good time to refinance. So, so you're seeing more cash out refis, not trying to lower the payment. Yeah. Almost all the refinances I'm doing are cash out refinances. Um, you know, I saw somebody posted online that had a credit card. It was at 31%, you know, so some of these credit 31% interest rate. Yeah. Wow. It was a Lowe's credit card. It was on one of my coworkers posted on social media and they were like, is this interest rate even legal? So, you know, if you can, I, I you thought know, most of them like would be like like fourteen point nine nine up to like twenty four. I think most of them are over twenty percent now. Right, but thirty one. Thirty one. Yeah, yeah, I I've saw thirty one. Twenty six, but not thirty one. Yeah, so, so you know, hope, pay those cards off. You know, yes. as long yes. as you as long, yeah. as long as you pay off the balance, you don't Use pay that any interest. equity, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. we talked about the equity all the time. We we're talking about it a lot last week with, when we closed out the year and looking at the numbers and how much uh, home prices had appreciated. So yeah, if you did buy in the last two or three years. I mean, you're sitting on anywhere from 20 to 40% equity in your home, mm-hmm. right? Home mm-hmm. price appreciation. So pull a little bit of that out at maybe like a seven or eight fixed interest rate, yep. or what is it usually prime plus one. So it'd probably be around 9%. For Could be, or that's on a home equity line of credit. Yeah, it's usually based on the prime rate, which is variable. Um, but if you want, you can just get a regular 30-year fixed mortgage to replace your current mortgage, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some folks, there are a bunch of people who bought houses and paid cash last year too. True, very true. And some of those folks are starting to contact me and say like, Hey, I bought this property six months ago. I paid cash. I fixed it up. I'm ready to get some of that money back. looks like it's a good time to do that. So, um, or, or people want to buy another home. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you have a, a lot of equity in your house now and you go on to get another mortgage, uh, you could kind of be a cash buyer and take out a mortgage in your current house, get a right. vacation home, get an investment property. So yeah. That's a that's um, yeah. a good way to look at it because if you're thinking about it, if you have a credit card and let's say you have twenty thousand dollars on a credit card, just arbitrary numbers here, and a thirty one percent interest rate, but you do a refi cash out and you take say forty thousand out and you were at five percent and you go up to six point six, that one point six percent is probably still going to be less than the minimum payment on a twenty thousand dollar credit card with a thirty one percent interest be. rate. It could be, yeah, yeah. depending on what, you know you got to do some math and figure out. Right. I mean, if you owe five hundred thousand at three percent, you don't want to get rid of that mortgage. Right. right. But if you owe, you know, a hundred thousand at three percent, and you've got fifty thousand dollars in credit card at thirty percent, you know, then it's like, well, well, you we could sometimes what they talk about is the blended rate, you know. So right. if you look at the, you know, the interest you are paying on your mortgage and then the interest rate on the credit card debt, like what's the blended rate there, mm-hmm. and how much is that actually costing you, and would you be better off? With a different mortgage so you know those are the kind of conversations we can help people with if you want to have one of those conversations you go schedule loan appointment.com he beat me to it yeah he beat me to it. <laughs> pitch my uh, own website this there you go <laughs> yeah i mean but you know the article this is a cfbc article they just go on to say that the average contract interest rate for 30-year fixed rate mortgages with conforming loan balances which went up uh and is now at seven hundred twenty six thousand two hundred dollars or less i believe that's up uh what did that go up a couple percent from last year about two and uh, they mentioned it earlier in the article um if the fannie mae they raised the conforming loan limit uh yep the other the loan amounts have been going up it's uh 766 now is is not considered a jumbo oh okay so this and article had it at 726. um yeah it's up to 766 now uh which is which is helpful for some folks um yeah, that's been going up and up and in, in with home prices. I remember years ago, it was at 417 not too long ago. So that makes it easier for people to do low down payments and qualify for the loan. So that's helpful. A um, couple of news stories I saw I'll share with you real quick. Yeah. The uh, 
Consumer price index came out on Thursday and it was kind of worse than expected for inflation. And then the producer price index came out on Friday and was better than expected. So that's kind of been the trend. You get like two pieces of news coming out, like one's a little worse, one's a little better. They kind of cancel each other out and results in an un, un, uh, uneventful week for mortgages. One, one news story to keep an eye on though, I saw this story, gold rallies based on Red Sea turmoil. Uh, I don't this would be something to keep an eye on. Um, it's not my area of expertise, but I read a couple articles about it. Essentially, what's happening is there's some rebel, uh, rebels in Yemen are attacking ships that are going through the Red Sea. Oh, I saw oh, that. Have you heard about this? I heard that yesterday. Yeah, so around this is really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So then you have ships that are going from Europe to get to Asia are now going down all the way around Africa to avoid going through the Red Sea Channel. And so the U.S. kind of countered so with some military operations. And I just saw an article this morning, and they said that the rebels were like, we are not deterred by these U.S. attacks. We're going to continue to attack ships in the Red Sea. Yeah, I seen that yesterday. So, I mean, I hate to celebrate any kind of military situation because that's dangerous for the folks involved. But I will say that any kind of economic disruption like this has a tendency to keep mortgage rates low. Uh, I remember in 2016, it was in the summer of 2016, and everybody was like, oh, rates are going up in the second half of this year. And that was the year uh, Greece went bankrupt. You remember when Greece went bankrupt? Yes. And I uh, nobody saw it coming. All of a sudden, it came, popped up, and rates went way down. Mm -hmm. And uh, they hit, like, a, at, at that point, it was almost an all time low because of this unexpected economic disruption. So, you know, we're starting to see wow. major shipping channels where ships can't go through. We've got military attacks. So, and then everybody's buying gold. People buy gold when they get nervous. Mm -hmm. They think that stocks might go down. Exactly. So if that continues, I mean, that, that could, I, wanna, I won't say good news, but I said that could have a, a, a positive impact on mortgage rates. We'll see what happens. Wow. Uh, that, I mean, yeah, you, you, like you said, you wish it was for a different reason, but yeah. I mean, it helps exactly some, some things and obviously it hurts some others. Um, you know, and it's, it's coincidentally not one of the biggest barriers to home buying for millennials. Uh, this is a, uh, a real estate, witch article, and they were talking to a group of millennials and 67% of them regret not making a home purchase when rates were lower. 78% of them say they're open to buying with mortgage rates higher than 7%. There's another quote in here that I want to get to. And with 68% of them saying they plan to refinance if rates go down. So now, we, what did we say there? We said we had 78% of them saying they were okay buying with rates over 7. I didn't really see that when rates were in the 7s, though. I saw people really kind of slow down. But now I guess their mindset has shifted. I don't know. What are you seeing? Well, who, Seven's so better than eight. <laughs> right. But who are you seeing yeah. in terms of your mortgage applications? Are you seeing a lot of millennials? Are you seeing a lot of um, boomers, young boomers? They are our biggest buying class. I mean, I talked to a lot of people, so I see, I do see the whole spectrum. I mean, a lot of people are first time home buyers, and a lot of them probably do fall in the millennial category. Some of them are, you know, older millennials in their 40s and 50s, um, or maybe not 50s. I guess those would be Generation X. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I would say most of the people I'm talking to are probably first time buyers between the age of 30 and 50 is a pretty large segment of the people I'm talking to. Um, but I'm also talking to a, a decent number of people that are retired and, and downsizing and, 
um, maybe getting tired of stairs. That's another big reason people looking for one floor living. Mm-hmm. And there's with, not a lot of ranches here in Connecticut. Yeah, people with big you. houses that are tired of taking care of the yard. That's that's a big factor as well that causes a lot of people to move. Yeah. Yeah. So we said, you know, 78% of them are open to paying an interest rate above seven. 65% of them, this is the millennial buyer class, uh, said they would even accept 10% or more, while 23% of them are open to buying with rates at 15% or higher. Wow. I don't know. Let's not go hoping for anything <laughs> like that. I don't know if putting that out there is bad karma or not, but I would not like to see rates get to, well, higher than seven again for the yeah. rest of this year, let alone 10% or even 15%. Can you imagine 15%? You might as well have kept that Lowe's credit card there. And it's like back in the day. I back mean, in the day, back in the 80s when yeah. homes were like $100,000 and you had a 15%, 15% rate. Yeah, exactly. the prices uh, were a little bit different back right, then. A little yeah. bit different yeah. versus yeah. a $400,000 house at a yeah. 15% mm-hmm. interest rate. So very interesting news. I mean, we're watching these rates every single day. We're going to bring them to you every single week with a quick update. But this is what the millennials are thinking. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the best cities for first-time homebuyers on CT Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Welcome back to CT Real Estate Radio. Chaz Cook and Rob Wallace of the One Team at William Ravis Real Estate, joined by mortgage guru Brian Skelly from William Ravis Mortgage. And we have the One Team Weekly Rewind brought to you by Service Station Equipment coming up. And we are continuing to trug along here. Usually January is a slower time, but we were... Fortunate as the one team here, we were able to have two new listings, eight under contracts, and nine closings. Our first new listing is 29 Cricket Court in Old Saybrook, my hometown. Byron's now hometown, uh, the town that I grew up in. And it was funny, too, because when I saw this one coming on the market, uh, the runner nerd in me actually like drove to Old Saybrook and went for a run and ran around to get a look at it before it actually hit. <laughs> But twenty nine, yeah, that's right. Got to you know put my physical activity into my job, right? Mm-hmm. So networking. Uh, twenty nine Cricket Court in Old Saber, Connecticut, hit the market for nine hundred eighty thousand dollars. He had four bedrooms, two and a half baths, just over three thousand two hundred fifty square feet. Built in two thousand five. I'm not going to go too much deeper into this one though because it is under contract. So congrats, Nicole White, on getting that listed and under contract in under seven days. But gorgeous property on Cricket Court off of Maple Ave. Great place to run if you are a runner and you like to do that it takes you down um to the shoreline and you can head right over the causeway so beautiful scenery down there yeah she sold that one pretty quick yeah I was trying to get in there but i couldn't in time too quick i tell you next up we have 197 route 2 in preston connecticut this one hit the market for three hundred forty nine thousand dollars. it's three bedrooms one and a half baths You have just under 1,650 square feet. It was built in 1964, and it sits on just over an acre and a half. Welcome to the new year in this inviting three-bedroom, one-and-a-half bathroom brick ranch. All right, so let me get you guys an opinion here, because a lot of people don't like brick. I don't mind it. Are you a brick guy, not brick guy, Rob? I like it. I like the city, so it gives me that city feel. Okay, Skelly? I love the brick. Love the brick. I got brick on my house. I love these brick apartment buildings. You know, I own uh, a couple multifamilies I have to manage. And like, if, if it's wood, you got to paint it, it rots, you know, brick. I mean, I see these like, you know, eight unit apartment buildings that are made out of brick. Mm-hmm. They've been that way for like a hundred years. You don't have to paint it. Yeah. Maybe you, touch you, up you, some mortar here. And yeah. There. yeah. Every once in a while, you touch up the mortar. I mean, brick, 
was the three little pigs one made his house out of yeah, straw brick, right he was the only one who the lasted brick. right the yeah, brick one go. yeah brick well, it's maybe... big in the south brick is big in the south i think because it keeps cool it cooling yeah yeah so maybe you should check out 197 route 2 in preston connecticut you can head on right downstairs after the show wraps and talk to lee bar because this is a lee bar listing uh he's got it going on again so as i mentioned you have just over an acre and a half it's nestled in a convenient location. This property boasts a host of desirable features as you step inside hardwood floors throughout the living room and bedrooms welcome you. The light-filled living room with fireplace creates a cozy ambiance perfect for chilly evenings. The heart of this home lies in its big eating kitchen with breakfast nook, central island, and abundance of cabinets and stainless steel appliances. We're going to be giving you guys an opportunity to go and check this one out in the open houses. But if you would like a private showing of 197 Route 2 in Preston, you can reach out to Lee at OneTeamCT.com to schedule that today. All right. Under contracts. Eight of those bad boys. We had under contracts in Naugatuck, Old Saybrook, East Haddam, East Hartford, Clinton, Montville, New Haven, and Guilford. Closings. Nine of those. Congratulations to our buyers, sellers, investors. We had closings in Waterford, East Lyme, East Hartford, New Haven, Newtown, Bridgeport, New Haven, Cheshire, and Bristol. All right. And then open houses. We got one, just one going on today here on Saturday, January the 13th. That is 167 Meadow Street in Milford, Connecticut. Going on from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. You can go say hi to Jamie over there. That is her first listing. Big shout out to Jamie for getting that one. Uh, beautiful property hit the market for four hundred thousand dollars, and she will be hanging out there today from twelve to three. She will also be there tomorrow, Sunday, January the fourteenth, from twelve to three p.m. as well. So if you're not in the area today, you've got another opportunity to go to one sixty seven Meadow Street in Milford. Say hi to Jamie from twelve to three p.m. tomorrow on Sunday, January fourteenth. Also going on on Sunday, January fourteenth, as always, an opportunity to see the exquisite residences at sixty six High Street in Guilford, Connecticut. That's going on from twelve to two p.m. Those stunning properties. A couple of them have gotten snatched up though in the last few weeks. So I've seen that. yeah, if you are interested, make sure you get over there because it's like the mo- once the momentum gets going in that building, mm-hmm. like you know the buzz kind of builds around it. Those those award winning condos do not last. And then you have an opportunity to go to 197 Route 2 in Preston, Connecticut, tomorrow, Sunday, January the 14th, from 12 to 2 p.m. And check that out, that brick ranch on the one and a half acres. And finally, 53 Graveline Ave in Meriden is going on on Sunday, January the 14th, from 11 to 1 p.m. So we don't have a ton going on today, but tomorrow we are jamming with open houses here on the one team all over the state, wherever you are looking, just let us know. We will be happy to help you out. You can reach us at oneteamct.com. And that's going to do it for this week's One Team Weekly Rewind. All right. Before the break, we were talking about best markets for first-time home buyers in 2024. And then, Skelly, you mentioned there might be another little uh, Connecticut I found there. it, yeah. If you go, we got time, we'll, we'll get to it. I found the article. It's Connecticut came in number one in another category. If not, you might have. We'll see if we get to it. We'll maybe oh, next week. We can week. definitely get to it. We got yeah. time? All right. Yeah. So I got it queued up. Let me know when you're ready. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So that. let's see if Connecticut made this list. Let's see if Connecticut. I think it did. Yeah, I don't know if we'd be talking about it if it didn't. That's our like little plug right there. <laughs> but this is a Realtor.com article, and they researched first-time homebuyer markets for 2024. So they're going based off of the 2023 data. Uh, they go on to say, Purchasing a home can be a daunting prospect, especially for first-time buyers. In 2023, the housing market experienced long-time sales lows, right? Obviously, as interest rates hovered around 20-year highs, listing prices still grew slowly, and the inventory of homes for sale was in a chronic shortage. Both home buyers and home sellers decided to wait on the sidelines for more certainty. However, 
first-time homebuyers are feeling optimistic heading into 2024, and 61% of them indicated that now is a good time to buy. That's why I was curious if you were speaking with a lot of first-time homebuyers, because they seem to be like, you know, they, they were on the sidelines when they were outpriced and either from affordability perspective or when there was just too much competition. And now like that pent up frustration of like wanting to buy a house for the last two years, they're just like, you know what, we're done. We're in the market. We're staying. In well, the market. rents have gone up dramatically, too. I mean, I was just talking to somebody earlier today who had been renting in the same place for a long time. And uh, she said the landlord just increased her rent by like 45 percent. Wow. 45%. Yeah. Huge. And, uh, and then she went to go look at, she's like, this seems crazy. This is too much. And then she kind of went to go look at what else is out there and everything else was priced in a similar range. And now she's kind of saying, well, why am I going to rent if this is how much it costs to rent right now? So those that's, Mm -hmm. you know, higher rents are, and you know, rates being a little bit lower now than they were three months ago that a lot of people are saying, why am I giving all this money to my landlord? So a lot of the, a lot of that's driving a lot of movement. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. So we'll keep an eye on those rent prices too, because I heard for a couple of months they had gone down, but now I think they have off the peak. You know, they have come down a little bit, but still they're, you know, dramatically higher than they were in 2019. Right. Right. And so you know, a lot of people have been paying the same rent for 10 years, and then Mm -hmm. you know, the landlord all of a sudden is like, "Whoa, whoa!" Their landlord's waking up and noticing when everyone else is paying. Why am I accepting so much below market rent? Exactly. So Realtor.com put together a list. They ranked towns and cities according to a list of key guiding criteria that could be attractive to first-time homebuyers. We ranked 2,738 cities and places with a population of more than 5,000 that are located within within the 100 largest metro areas. Okay, they've got a whole list of criteria here. We can go ahead and pop that up. I'm not going to run through all that for you guys. But based on all of that criteria and a cap of one city per metropolitan area to allow for a greater diversity of options... Realtor.com's top 10 markets for first-time homebuyers for this coming year are, you guys want to go from 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? 10 to 1. 10 to 1. Coming in at number 10, Riviera Beach in Maryland. Ever been there? Did Skelly, the Skelly road trip go through there? Uh, we went through Maryland, but not we weren't up by the beach. Riviera Beach, you got to check that one out. I love Maryland. I used to live there. Oh, nice. Uh, near Riviera? No, never. I haven't been there. Okay. But- uh, coming in at number nine, Maddie Dale, New York. You're going to see a little trend here with uh, New York. Maddie Dale, New York at number nine. Number eight, Moore, Oklahoma. Number seven, Grand Rapids, Michigan. See, I don't know. The, the weather in Michigan just would not like make me put it on the top ten. I understand the criteria fits into that, but man, it's I cold agree. out there. Like, I, I don't agree. Know, you you got to be into that. I don't know. Uh, coming in at number six, Chicatawaga. C-H-E-E-K-T-O-W-A-G-A, New York. Chictawaga. Chictawaga. Chictawaga, New York. I'm not even going to try. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's two New Yorks on the list, though. So just a quick recap. Number 10, Riviera Beach, Maryland. Number 9, Maddie Dale, New York. Number 8, Moore, Oklahoma. Number 7, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Number 6, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself again, Chictawaga, New York. And uh, when we come back here, we're going to bring you the top five, and we're going to show you where one CT city lands on Realtor.com's top 10 best cities for first-time homebuyers on CT Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Welcome back to Real Estate Radio. Chaz Cook and Rob Wallace of the one team at Re- William Ravis Real Estate joined by mortgage guru Brian Skelly. We broke down some mortgage interest rates here. We've seen buyer demand come up. We've seen rates go up. We've seen ri- refinances come up. All because rates have gone down historically. Right, We're a little bit up this week, but we are seeing a trend there. As you mentioned, we've seen a lot of stability in the rates. And so now 
we're talking about where are people looking or where is an ideal market for a first time home buyer. Now we in took you guys in 2024, we took you through number 10 to six. And uh, now we're going to to the top five. And any guess on where a uh, Connecticut town might rank, Brian? I don't. I know you haven't looked at this one. You mean a guess at one of the towns? Yeah. Or no, no, no. Guess what place? Uh, I'm going to say four. Number four. Number this. four. All right. We'll just have to find that out. But coming in at number five, Council Bluffs in Indiana. Did you drive through there on the Skelly Family Road Trip? Probably. Yeah. We were. <laughs> we were went to the uh, Indiana Dunes Park. Right. Maybe. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was cool. Coming in at number four, you were correct, Newington, Connecticut, which is not surprising to me because we've seen Newington be mentioned. I knew it was going to be Hartford County, times. yeah. Yeah, you knew it was going to be Hartford County. Right now. Um, really Newington's is. got a lot going on. They were actually one of the places that uh, was one of the top 10 most searched um, yeah. cities on Zillow. So Connecticut, or Connecticut had four on that list. But one thing that we've seen in Newington is we've seen extremely low inventory so yes it is ideal based off of the criteria but yeah, it's affordable yeah but there's even less inventory in that city than there are <laughs> maybe not as much as it used to be right especially compared no to other parts of connecticut so very interesting there coming in at number three winterset indiana so we got two indianas on the list uh number two benton benton uh, arkansas and at number one i'm gonna botch this and so i apologize if you were from there Iron Decoy, New York. I, I would probably, Iron Decoy, New York. I, I would guess that pronunciation for uh, number one on the top ten markets for first-time home buyers. So just recapping your top five: Council Bluffs, yeah, Indiana. Arkansas on the list. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, Newington, Connecticut, at number four. Winterset, Indiana, at number three. Benton, Arkansas, at number two, and Iron Decoy, New York, at number one. So New York with three. And what's interesting is all these New York ones are all upstate, like Canadian border, it looks like. Oh, that is interesting. You know, maybe Border Patrol, maybe young families are moving there to join the Border Patrol. I guess. Uh, I'm just speculating on that one. But what's even more interesting is that New York had three of the top 10 markets for first-time home buyers. But where did they rank in terms of inbound traffic for people uh, moving to New perfect York? Perfect segue to our next article. So I found this uh, article. Uh, this is a usnews.com article. They took some of the census data and they did a really nice job of putting it in a map. Uh, Connecticut's actually number one on this list. Wow. Uh, if for those of you at home that want to check it out, they if you're on your Google, type in, uh, these states are bringing in more residents than they're losing. Uh, I, get, I didn't do the dramatic buildup like you guys do with the three, two, one. But that's all right. We're getting right to the chase here. Connecticut was number one, and um, so how do they define net migration? Did they mention that net migration? They do. So basically, they look at net migration is um, how many people move out of the state mm -hmm. and how many people move in. Okay. So if it's a positive number, that's uh, net positive. So Connecticut had a net positive number of one point five eight percent, by far higher than any other state. And ironically, New York had the worst net migration of negative 1.25. Wow. Maybe it's not ironic. It gets, and the article goes on to say that for, for many years, until, up until 2021, for about 10 years, Connecticut was losing people. Right. And all of a sudden, starting you know 2021, uh, we had high, high numbers of inbound people, and a lot of it is New York. And True. I'm just starting to kind of draw the conclusion it's interesting that you had upstate new york as a place to move and connecticut is a hot spot that people are moving to i mean you look at in and around new york city westchester mm -hmm. long island those are expensive places to live right. and maybe people are just kind of moving hey where can we go that's within two hours of here 
that's more affordable. Well, and to your point on rent before, right? We think rents, you know, maybe let's say a three bedroom, two bath, single family house here in Connecticut, let's call it 2,300 bucks a month. I've heard of some people in New York getting a studio, 500 square feet for $3,000 a month. Oh, yeah. So you could essentially move to Connecticut, buy a median priced single family home Mm -hmm. and be saving money (laughs) versus renting your 500 square foot studio. I actually have some buyers coming in from New York looking at a big price point, but they're $5,000 rent. $5,000 rent, right. So real quick, Skelly on the hot seat, $5,000 a month. How much could you get for a house? Uh, It depends on how much you put down, but I mean. Let's say 20%. Oh man, it's gonna All make right, well, get he's the going to put him on the hot seat. I'm going right. to run through the, the 10 states with the highest net migration rates, starting at number 10. We know Connecticut was number one. Big shout out to the nutmeg state for that. But number 10, North Carolina, not surprised. My second number, home. Number nine, North Dakota. No oh, surprise there. Okay. Uh, number eight, Oklahoma. Number seven, Montana. I love Montana. Six, Idaho. So that that Midwest, that upper, you know, mid to Northwest over there, they have a lot going on. I mean, they make a lot of these lists. We've seen a lot of Ohio's. We've seen Idaho's, Montana's, Mm -hmm. North Dakota. Mm -hmm. So coming at number five, Arizona, which is also interesting to me because they spiked 2020, 2021. You know, their real estate market like was blowing every other state out of the water. But then 2022 hit and they kind of came to a screeching halt. And now they've seen their inventory climb back up to it was at one point uh, over four months. Right. Um, where in Connecticut, we're still sitting at two. Yeah. Uh, number four, Florida for yep. years, they were the number yes. one, uh, state for a long time, obviously no state income tax. So a lot of advantages there. Plus the weather, my other second home, number three, Delaware, number two, South Carolina. I'm really surprised that we edged them out because South Carolina has essentially become the new Florida. I heard. Yeah. I heard. Um, and then at number one, Connecticut, the nutmeg state. Our with the state. highest net migration, according to U.S. News. All right, Skelly, I put you on the hot seat. All right, there. I got the numbers you're looking for. All right, so we said five thousand dollar a month payment. I'm going to budget a thousand for taxes and insurance. So mm-hmm. that means your principal and interest mortgage payments four thousand. Uh, current rates that would be a loan amount of six thirty three. So if you're doing twenty percent down, that would be a seven hundred and ninety one thousand dollar house you could get for about five grand a month so call it eight hundred thousand dollar house wow. call it eight hundred is what it would cost you you could own an eight hundred thousand dollar house in the state of connecticut for what it would cost you to rent in new york and people were yeah people <laughs> were moving from new york to connecticut york. surprising yeah. <laughs> yeah that's crazy well you know what this is actually a good thing here because i want to be able to share with all these people that are migrating here to the nutmeg state some things to do this time of year. I mean, you, you can kind of call it like the post-holiday hangover, right? November, December, even from Halloween, you're on the go, and then you start ramping up for Thanksgiving, and you're getting together with friends and family, and then you roll right into Christmas. We got a holiday weekend coming up next weekend. We got a holiday weekend oh, yeah. coming up, right? But then, like all of a sudden, like January fifth hits, and you're like, it's all over. Two months of my life, I've just been like running around being festive and holly jolly, and it's like, okay, now what do we do until spring hits? And a lot of people go into hibernation. Um, but we were able to find some things for you to do in the state of Connecticut in the month of January. This is a CT Insider article uh, of the top events in January. They do arts, they do music, they do entertainment. And what caught my eye was the Boar's Head and Yule Log Festival returns to Hartford, plus other things to do in Connecticut in January. Now, I'm not that educated, but when you said Boar's Head, I immediately went to the sandwich meet. That's what I heard. Okay, about. <laughs> it's not. 
<laughs> in case you were wondering out there. They're, like, they're apparently their commercials are working on us here. Right? Like I'm predetermined. <laughs> what's you got your head and I'm what's thinking their slogan? <laughs> like, accept nothing else? Or except like nothing, something about quality? I well, don't know. Yeah, I don't even know. We um, like our Steli sandwiches on here. That's right. <laughs> but they had the Boar's Head... Uh, and Yule Log Festival holiday traditions don't end with the coming of the new year. One or one of the more colorful displays of winter pageantry in Connecticut is the annual Boar's, Hut, Boar's Head and Yule Log Festival held each year at the Asylum Hill Congregational Church in Hartford's historic Asylum Hill neighborhood. Um, this one actually was going on last weekend, so I do apologize we missed that. But now I'm going to be out in front of it for when we head into 2025. But a cast of more than 250 exquisitely decked out people perform an elaborate interactive production in the church, which is fully decorated for a great banquet. Oh, wow. Brass ensemble greets visitors who encounter all manner of performers, including a mime, juggler, juggler, magician, stilt walkers, puppeteer, plague doctors, and gestures. Hmm. And a grand procession brings the king and queen as an arc-worthy collection of animals, including horse and camel, during the gathering. So really cool event. Yeah. Wow. Really cool event there. This one's going on today. Visual Arts, Childhood, Let's Never Grow Up is the name of it. Uh, in this winter exhibition, Time for the Holidays, new artwork from more than 60 established and emerging artists from Connecticut and throughout the region celebrate childhood and its meaning. I thought that one was really cool because it's bringing local artists in and giving them a spotlight. So most of these people are coming from Connecticut. We might see a couple masks, Rhode Island, you know, sprinkled in there. But it's also happening at the Spectrum Art Gallery, 61 Main Street in Centerbrook. So right there in Essex, you can head over there and check that out this afternoon if you don't have anything going on, uh, highlighting some childhood memories. That's pretty cool. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, going on tomorrow, Elizabeth Enders, A Different Time, A Different Place, in vibrant paintings and watercolors, contemporary American artist Elizabeth Enders depicts abstract landscapes, inviting viewers on a wide-ranging journey inspired by experiential knowledge in places and events. Uh, this one is happening at the Lyman Allen Art Museum, 625 William Street in New London. So a lot is going on there. Now let's jump down here. We've got Radical Pots and Cooperative Hands, Catherine Choi and the Clay Art Center, featuring a selection of Choi's distinctive and boundary-pushing ceramic vessels alongside never-before-seen photographs, letters, and other archival material. This exhibition tells a story of her rapid rise to prominence in the field of American studio ceramics in the mid-1950s and her dedication to forming a clay art center, a cooperative studio space for ceramic artists in the working-class New York suburb of Portchester. Mm. So this one's going on in Greenwich. So that, I thought that was kind of a, a cool thing. I did not realize how many like art displays and exhibits we had in Connecticut, especially this time of year when you think, again, you know, I mentioned we kind of go into winter hibernation. Right. Um, but they are really. Yeah. I mean, I used to live in Old Lyme, but people forget that the, the whole impressionist movement was big in Old Lyme back in the day. They've got several museums there. I was just going to say that. They have a very big art academy there, too. Lyme Art yep, Academy. Yeah. Yep, Lyme Art Academy. Yeah. Uh, so that one is kind of interesting. And then oh, 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 I scrolled too fast here. Uh, this one kicks off January 21st and goes through August 11th. The Loy Howell Space Between, a survey of 10 years known for paintings and drawings that explore the landscape of the human body. California Rainey's Hollowell offers the exhibition featuring paintings and works on paper made over a decade. You can check that out at the Aldridge Contemporary Art Museum in Ridgefield. And we'll have this posted up again on our uh, social media and on the um, CT Real Estate Radio podcast. Uh, this one, this I mean, you can never go wrong here. Going, going on January 16th through the 18th, Hairspray. Join 16-year-old Tracy Turnbald in 1960s Baltimore. She sets out to dance her way into TV's most popular show in this Tony Award-winning comedy. I did check. There is no John Travolta in this one. But if you want to watch it, <laughs> you can head over to the Palace Theater at 100 East Main Street in Waterbury, Connecticut. And if you would like to check out this full list 
of everything that's going on here in January in the great nutmeg state. You can head over to CT Insider or you can head over to the OneTeamCT.com for the full list. Gentlemen, as we wrap up this show, any final words for the 94 Niners out there? Be safe during this oncoming storm. Thanks for tuning in. Go to schedulelonepoment.com. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, crew, that's going to do it for us on this week's episode of CT Real Estate Radio on 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk.